Welcome to All Creation Podcast, everybody. I am Nelly Astudillo. I am a Presbyterian pastor in the United States and coordinator of the Climate Justice and Faith online Spanish program for the Pacific Theological Seminary. And I'm also here with you serving as the editor of the Winter 2024 collection of articles and podcasts for allcreation.org. During this season of All Creation, we are hearing from the voices of Muslim and spiritual women and leaders from around the world working for environmental and climate justice. And today I have the pleasure to share this space with Nana Furman, a colleague, a friend, who is joining us from Dubai as she attends COP28. And as some of you know, COP28 is taking place in a Muslim country. So it is good to hear voices of faith like Nana, who is the founder of EcoFab Living and initiator of the Muslim Eco Hijjara movement. She's an ambassador for Green Faith and an alumna in the Bayan Islamic Graduate School. Nana is from Indonesia and lives in California, United States. So I'm very excited to welcome our special guest today. But before I have a chance to give her a chance to share with us her story, a very unique story, which connects her to her mother country, to the forest, to her faith, and even to a tsunami, which caused great damage to the island where she's from. I want to share with you, Nana, uh, that I recently had the chance to, to be in Indonesia to feel and witness some of the struggles, but also the beauty and the resilience of your people. So what you have to share with us today really touching my heart. And after this trip in particular, which was a consultation organized by the World Communion of Reformed Churches on Economy, Ecology, and Faith, I then had a chance to go to Sri Lanka for another consultation on the role of spirituality for resilience in the midst of climate change and the loss of biodiversity. All of this just to say, too, that I was struck by the words of Reverend Sushithar, who leads the National Council of Churches in Sri Lanka. He said that the tsunami of 2004 made him recognize the difference between how humans act and how nature acts, or the ocean. In the destructive force of the tsunami, he recognized the Earth needs to respond first to uh, discomfort, you know, the earthquake. And then the need to comfort herself. You know, she returned to her former normal ways, united with the rest of her natural brothers and sisters. And looking at the way that we human beings act, who we live in society, and for him, especially in Sri Lanka, after many years of civil war, but now also in the midst of climate change as a new challenge, he said that we have to go back to our formal ways. We need to settle back to our former position, living peacefully with our neighbors, creatures, nature, to give birth to new life, like they also witnessed in Sri Lanka after the tsunami. Your life has also been impacted by the same tsunami that he was referring to, and you became an activist, worked with the World Wildlife Fund for several years in the reconstruction, the green reconstruction efforts in Indonesia, after the wake of the tsunami and the earthquake. So we want to hear more of your story. So I'll stop here. Thank you, Nana, very much for being with us today. Welcome. 
muchas gracias. Thank you so much, Neri. Uh, it's very nice to see you again, even though like uh, through Zoom. Uh, it's my pleasure always uh, to uh, to share uh, with you and also like for this opportunity. And yes, I am here in Dubai. It's been like five, six days now for me in Dubai attending COP28. And uh, it's been like, uh, like, you know, another experience being at COP. And I just want to share this, um, that this is the first COP that we have a faith pavilions. Uh, so the first ever, <laughs> you know, like, uh, faith pavilions at COP. And then as you know, like Nedi and I have been at COP like many, many times in different countries. And we've been struggling to have a faith pavilions because when we want to share from faith initiatives or faith uh, voices or even multi-faith uh, uh, like, you know, like actions, we're always struggle. Like, where do we, where are we going to have a space? Like, you know, on different, like other people's pavilion, like our countries or initiatives or, or different communities. And we've been saying that we want faith pavilions, faith pavilions. And finally, this is the first time. It's not perfect, but it's a start. And and I really uh, feel like uh, the difference because then we have so many uh, events and session in the faith pavilions that we don't have to go around and try to find a space for us, but then we have the space now. So we have, uh, you know, like, uh, thank God, we have a lot of like activities in the faith pavilions. So, so like, I really uh, like, you know, like it's, it's a blessing for this, uh, at least, you know, if we, we we're not, uh, you know, like uh, accomplishing the whole objectives of this COP, at least we have this as a history to have a faith pavilion. So speaking about faith, as you mentioned about the tsunami at the end of uh, 2004, uh, that happens in the, just off uh, the Sumatra Island in Indonesia, in the Northern, the, the northern part of Sumatra Island. Um, that's like, I think like the largest earthquake, like um, I, I think until today. Uh, and then like, you know, followed by a huge tsunami because it's it's just the off the coast of uh, the coast of uh, northern uh, Sumatra in Aceh province, but then the impact was felt all the way to East Africa. So you mentioned about Sri Lanka and Sri Lanka. Yes, they were uh, affected pretty bad also because they're not that far the like their location from the off the coast of uh, North Sumatra, Northern Sumatra. So yes, we had the, back then we have the collaboration also with Southern India, Sri Lanka, um, the Maldives, uh, and even to all the way to East Africa uh, to like, you know, working on the recovery of uh, tsunami, like including like part of Malaysia and Thailand as well. So, after the tsunami, I was being called by uh, WWF uh, in Indonesia, the World Wildlife Fund, to help out on uh, looking at the, the special planning that was going to be done um, uh, after the tsunami because everything was destroyed. So uh, 
before while our friend was already working before on um like over there like uh trying to sort of like uh policy intervention about the nature uh like the nature management natural resources management however because of the tsunami everything is just like you know like destroyed so that draft the policy draft was not it was was invalid you know like so we have we had to start all over again what should we do now because the recovery of it obviously was was in front of our us at that time and the concern was uh that's going to be a massive uh reconstruction to be done but then how do we resource the you know like the the like the building uh you know like materials and so on and so forth especially back then the big uh the big um like you know like need was uh the timber so the timber to do the re recovery because so i think uh, about 200,000 houses that needed to be built at that time and then and then we we were very concerned like where do people like get the the timber so there is this thing that that was like uh the talk because the Ache was also having like this conflict for a long time so because of the social conflict the 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 forest was intact nobody like touched the forest so it's very pristine but after the tsunami because the need is high for timber they said oh we can just cut the forest now that you know we need a lot of timber and then we said no <laughs> don't cut the forest because you just had a tsunami from the ocean just now but if you cut the forest next year you're going to have the tsunami from the mountain right like you know landslide and you know like uh and the flood floods and so on and so forth so we're trying to like you know part of the green reconstruction is to ensure that you know the the building material is a source from the social from the sustainable resources so then the timber is part of like you know a, a big part of that like you know how uh we source the timber to uh to get like uh, the sustainable resources, and um, and we asked the a lot of the the humanitarian aid that was like like they came to Aceh to do the reconstruction. We actually helped out on building the guidelines that instead of like bringing money, can they source the timber from a sustainable resources? So we work also with the with the like you know, like timber companies, like sustainable timber companies all over the world. So the in-kind, like, you know, like uh, aid instead of like bringing the money and purchase the timber in Indonesia, and then they're going to just like trigger the people to cut the forest. So so those kind of like a very, like, you know, like a very tough campaign, I think, like, you know, because I wasn't re really ready to do that. But then, uh, you know, it, it was like, uh, like, you know, that was the need on the ground and also another thing is like to uh how do we uh restore the damage in the coastal area because the coastal area was completely damaged and one of the my uh program with that was it's called green coast which is like regreening the coastal area that was damaged so so part of that is like replanting doing replanting with the community and remember that this community lost everything. They lost all their family members. 
they lost their homes. They're living in the in the like tent, the refugee tents, because of that. Uh, until like you know, waiting for their homes to be, uh, to be rebuilt. But then like in the meantime, I have this like coast, like you know, regreening the coast. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to like bring this you know sustainability with the people and let's do the planting. But then of course they said no. Is it like, why do I have to plant? We, like, you know, like uh, we lost our families. We need our homes. And then here you are asking us to plant the the mangrove at that time. And I was, but I said, this is for like, you know, like to protect the ecosystem because the mangrove will protect the people. And, you know, like, uh, like in terms of like the, from the ocean. And then, um, and then, uh, they said, no, no, we are not going to do it. And I was very frustrated because I, you know, I put all the jargon, like, you know, like sustainability, uh, ecosystem and so, so forth. But then uh, in the midst of my frustration, a friend of mine told me like, why don't you engage from the Islamic uh, tradition, the Islamic teaching? because the, the people of Aceh is very devout Muslim, like, you know, the community. And I was like, what? Islam and, like, environment? Uh, I'm not sure, like, what's the, what is the relationship and the connection? But then I wanted to be successful in my, uh, in my uh, you know, program. So I said, okay, let me, like, you know, look up in the Holy Quran, <laughs> The, the the Muslim scriptures and then also the Sunnah, which is the prophetic tradition from Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. And then to my surprise, I found so many and I was like, oh my God, there's like a lot of this, like, you know, gems. So, and then one of the hadith, which is the saying of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, about uh, this is, uh, uh, he said that even if the hour is near, like the end of the world, like, you know, the doomsday is near and you have seedling in your hand, you must, you know, finish your planting. You still keep planting. And I was like, oh, this is perfect. So I went back to the community and I shared that hadith, uh, the, the saying of the prophet. And to my surprise, the community respond, the one before they just like, say no you know like they didn't want to listen to me and completely like change you know like the opposite and I was like and they said like oh yeah they're familiar with that you know saying they said okay uh this is like our doomsday like you know we lost everything and um if the prophet said that then we you know we must do it so I have a I like we had all the seedling already prepared so Immediately, the change of like, you know, just the response. And then we ended up planting like the whole coast of Aceh, I think 17 districts, like, you know, in the whole coastal was damaged. So um, it was, uh, you know, it was a successful effort. And I, I was like, why didn't we, you know, like engage like the people from their faith? Obviously, it's like they're, it's like something that is near and dear to them and they're familiar with, and they do it from the heart rather than, I mean, like, you know, I was like trying to engage from their head, you know, like, 
and like saying this is like sustainability and so on and so forth. But I mean, like eventually I explained about the sustainability, the ecosystem, why we uh, did the planting and so on and so And then why we don't want to cut the forest, you know, even though we need the timber, we need to find a different way. Uh, eventually, like people get it, but the first action is to engage with something that they believe in and they're near and dear. So that's how, and after that, I just feel like, oh, I need to learn more about this, even though I'm a Muslim and I'm familiar with some of the verses and the, and the hadith that I've heard, like, like those since I was a little, but I didn't put the connection together until that, you know, incident. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that that's a beautiful story, Nana. And it's very interesting that even within the Christian faith, too, in the last 20 years, plus 30 years, there has also been a, an effort to reconnect with our own faith tradition and understand the treasures and the gems, like you mentioned, uh, mm. from our own faith that can help us figure out how to solve our, our most mm. crucial environmental uh, issues of the time and the, the crisis in, uh, in the planet. Um I want to make sure I mention that you you also wrote an article for All Creation just recently called um, "Enjoying Good and Forbidding Wrong," and and you mentioned there that uh, Islam remains an enormous source of cultural, moral, and political influence in many Muslim majority nations, mm-hmm. and we see the importance of religions now even a cup as you're mentioning now for the first time there being a a faith pavilion, so that means that. The world is recognizing the the world of faith traditions really to move us in the right direction, to move mm-hmm. us back, I guess, like a tsunami, back into our order, right, a peaceful, yes, yeah, with with each other and with the natural world. Um, is there any other also story that you would like to share of what how the Muslim faith and people have been recognizing those treasures or gems that can help us today? And yeah. Yeah, so I share this uh, story also at one of the session at COP. It's called the Islamic Social Finance uh, for Climate Action. We are trying to look also uh, looking at the what is the like you know in the Islamic tradition, especially in the in the financing and the social movement. What can we get like you know like from from the tradition that can help the you know like our our uh, climate action and solve this climate crisis so one of uh, like you know so i was sharing in in that session about the the concept of wakaf which is uh uh is um is it's one of the islamic finance instrument um usually it's it's uh, refer as an islamic endowment and it's like a long uh, Islamic tradition for socioeconomic institution, um, especially like designed for equitable distribution of wealth and um, fulfillment of societal uh, basic needs. Uh, and it's actually um, influenced the, the establishment of English trust law back then uh, in the history so if people are familiar with English trust law, it's a similar to that. So uh, wakaf in Arabic means to hold or to stop or to preserve. So when um, when uh, uh, like this wakaf uh, like um, 
attempt is to preserve or to hold a property for a certain use, like good use, you know, cannot be cannot uh, be for bad bad usage, but for good usage and usually for for the benefits of the community or the society. So so it's sometimes it's called a charitable trust also like you know like uh in other like you know i think like i read in some article it's called charitable uh, trust uh and um it is like you know like uh like a, a property or uh uh that is used uh for a uh, like a, a certain purpose so however like you know it's something uh wakaf is familiar with the like you know the Muslim usually like uh, understand what is wakaf. However, like the the purpose of the the wakaf is somehow it's kind of like uh, a forgotten thing within the Islamic community, except uh, for the purpose is for to build mosque or to build orphanage or to build schools. You know, like uh, Islamic boarding schools, but then be like. Beyond that, it's sort of like we forget about it. But in the in the history, you walk up with use for for different kind of uh, means. For example, if you uh, if you have like a property that has a, like a, a water spring, for example, or like you even want to purchase a what like a land or a a, a property of others that has a uh, the spring, the water spring that you want to purchase and then you want to um, uh, sort of like uh, put that uh, as your walk-off. So you purchase and then you said that I'm going to put this as a walk-off. That means like, you know, uh, for the benefits of the, the community so everybody can get like, you know, can uh, take the, re the water resources for free. And then that that property cannot be like, you know, like uh, sell in the future. Like, for example, if you have children, they cannot inherit that because that's already, you put the stop of the use uh, for any other commercial, but you like dedicated that to, you know, like this is your, your uh, like, you know, like your your uh, endowment that only God can give you uh, the, like, you know, the rewards. So that is, this is like a, something like a, part of the Islamic tradition, but like what I, uh, I mentioned somehow, like the purpose is only like nowadays that we see only to build mosques or orphanage or like Islamic boarding schools. So um, in Aceh, after the tsunami, uh, when we're done with the reconstruction and so on and so forth, nice, you know, everything, then <laughs> the, the, you know, just regular development comes, uh, like came in, right? So the uh, again the threat is to our forests because in Indonesia the biggest threat is the forest uh, conversions. So the forest conversion that like you know the big threat besides logging, uh, to like you know like uh like just the deforestation. It's also the forest conversion to uh palm oil plantation. So that's the big threat for the in Indonesia. Um, because then, you know, like from the pristine forest, you know, the, 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 the rainforest, it's converted to the single, uh, the monoculture, like, you know, the single species like plantation, which is destroying like the whole, like, uh, 
ecosystem as well as the soil itself. So, you know, like back then I was like, this is like the end of my time in Aceh. I was in Aceh for five years after the tsunami. And the end of my time there was, you know, like when it's already like, you know, everything was already done of the reconstruction and the recovery and the, the development was starting to, you know, kind of come coming in then, you know, the threat is there. And then I was just actually like throwing these words without even knowing, like, you know, if that's possible or not. I said like, why don't we just put the forest as a walk up? And then I guess like, I just like throw that word. I, I didn't even consult it with the, the Muslim jurists because in Islam, there's like a jurisprudence that you cannot just like make something and like, you know, just how you feel. So without even like like consulting, I was just throwing that words. But I guess like my uh, like my uh, like stuff at that time uh, in WWF and like other uh, local NGO uh, in Aceh thought like, hey, that's a good idea, <laughs> you know. So they run with it and they actually developed that. And probably they also like um, consulted with some local like you know like uh, religious leaders and like uh, Islamic jurists, like, is that possible? And and actually it's possible in there is like, you know, in the tradition. Uh, so then they started like, you know, put like, you know, uh, money together. Uh, so it's, this is like a very uh, grassroots initiative. So it's no big money. It's just like people chip in and then they started uh, purchasing one hectare of the, the area where the forest is is being threat, uh, threatened to be converted to palm oil uh, plantation. So started from one hectare, uh, that's like in 2012, I think. Um, and and now it's almost five uh, hectares, you know, like thank, thank goodness for that. So it's it's been like, you know, like the, like it's, it's a very uh, local and grassroots effort and um and then uh this this initiative was heard you know by others in Indonesia and now we have like waka forests in uh, several parts in Indonesia you know like and then they initiated like in the different ways like the one in Aceh was like very local uh, grassroots some like work with universities some with the local like you know like institutions so it's i mean like it's it's a different model but then you know this is the trigger to see that as uh the walk of base forest is is part of the solution of you know like the threat to our forest as well as you know like as the solution for the the climate crisis and um so what happened is like in Aceh, it's very interesting because uh you know like there is a big uh one of the like you know like the the pristine animal in in sumatra is the sumatran tiger which is like um you know like they're they're endangered uh species now and uh so that location for the walk of uh base forest in Aceh is not a it's not the home range of uh of the tiger however after like you know this many years so some of like the the activists found the threat of uh of the the what is that the the footprints of the of the tiger 
So apparently, mm. then they did the, the research. The female tiger hide their uh, cubs in that waka forest mm. because they feel safe. Mm. Now mm. it's, uh, you know, like it's the, the ecosystem is back. And then also there's like, when I went there with my husband, there's a big bees. Like, you know, the, the, the you know, like the, the whole thing in the, the, beehive, yeah. the beehive in the yeah. forest. And we were like, oh my God, it's so mm. huge. Mm. And also some like, you know, like uh, bird species mm-hmm. appear. Now mm. it's like, this is part of like, also it's being used as the nature schools mm. and then uh, university student can do research and so on and so forth. So like, first we just said, this is like, you know, we wanted to have this as part of the, to protect the forest, but now the mm-hmm. community and society have the benefit out of them. Mm-hmm. So this is a beautiful, it's beautiful to see that, the, that fruit of that work that you did so many years ago, Nana, and, um, um, it makes me think that there's nothing that could stop uh, uh, Waka from happening all over the world where mm-hmm. where Muslim faith is put into practice, right? In in yeah. properties of the uh, Muslim people and and not Muslim, you know, I feel inspired by that. I'm trying to think, you know, what similar principle uh, value do we have within the Christian faith that could also help us uh, protect areas? Um, in such a way uh, from exploitation and become shelters for, for wildlife, you know, and yes, yes. to continue. Um, I would assume in other countries where Islamic faith is not necessarily the, the dominant, but if there are people that are uh, Muslim that have properties that they can definitely put into practice is yes. prison. Mm-hmm. Um, and others like me can just follow through and do the same because it's, totally, yeah. it's the right way to, <laughs> to settle back with nature yep. <laughs> uh, to be more like mother earth right um yeah that's that's beautiful um and and thank for sharing with us what what is uh happening in sumatra right now and those those uh, stories that have to do with our own consumption and lifestyles and, and how we are affecting people some speaking as someone within the united states no um and Nady, if i can add another one so that uh so like one of the principles like you know like when uh, we started this walk of base forest is this another there's another hadith the saying of the prophet that uh related to the planting of trees which is like in islam planting of a tree is considered uh, a charity so and uh and like so like when you plant a tree and then you know like others have uh get benefits out of it it's not necessarily a person because sometimes when we we plant trees we thought oh you know like we can you know get the fruits or like you know like or or other things that you know like from from the trees but then you know but we hardly like think that the birds will benefit the insects and then other things that you know will benefit then when they benefit it that's our charity to to them and we're the one who get the reward and then and there's this thing in islam that called the recurring charity or in arabic it's called sadaqa jariya so because like the prophet said when when a person dies all his 
uh, or her ex come to an end by but three things the recurring charity the knowledge that is benefiting for other people and also the pious offsprings the children that prays for this person so those are the whatever like your other things is already come to end but those three things so the recurring charity is something big in the Muslim community that they wanted to have this, that after, like it's go beyond like their their time on this earth. So even like after you, you die, you want this recurring charity is still there. And we forget sometimes that this planting tree is part of this recurring charity. And, um, and so then in the Waka Forest also, we did some replanting, you know, like the, uh, like, to ensure that this, you know, like the the trees there. So I, when I visited with my husband in 2017, we plant a few, you know, a few uh trees like the seeds, like you know, and it's already big now, the the tree the tree. So it's it it is like something that is part of that also that that also that you know people see that from you know like that perspective as well. In Indonesia, is it possible to continue buying more and more land to make sure that that land is under the Waka tradition? Yeah, so that is like, you know, so then um, like, you know, from that uh, initiative, now it's already uh, like um, sort of spread out in other parts of Indonesia. They, it's like we started to see this popping up the Waka-based forest. Mm -hmm. And this uh, particular in Aceh, in 2020, I think it was acknowledged as a site, a historical site also, because mm. that's the first Waka-based forest in Indonesia. Mm. So now they also like hold that, you know, kind of like, you know, yeah. like like recognition that they are the one who, uh, like this site is the first time, like the first one that, mm. you know, like wow. kind of like revive this idea again. Wonderful. Yeah. Wow, great. Wow. Well, what a journey, Nana, you've had and you continue to have, you know, you're now you're a, you're a student at the Bayan Islamic Graduate School. Um, not much more, I think. Maybe you're to be done soon. And now you're a COP28, one of many other cups that you've been present. Maybe uh, as a last word, is there anything from COP28 that you know we need to know as we also um, want to do our part Um uh, to achieve climate justice, to protect the most vulnerable peoples, any words of hope or challenge that you may want to leave us with, or you are yourself being feeling moved by your experience at this COP in Dubai? Yes. Um, well, I think like in this COP also, we hear a lot of the climate justice, the word climate justice. And, um, and we also see, uh, you know, the fossil fuel industry is still very strong uh, at present at COP. And then we, again, what we need is also to, like, you know, based on my article to, you know, the, like, kind of like the forbidding wrong, which is like, put the stop. Like, you know, like we need to stop this, you know, fossil fuel, like um, greed that we need to transition, a just transition to, to clean and renewable um, uh, 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 energy resources. But like, you know, not just renewable energy, but some uh, like, you know, the energy that is uh, accessible, 
and affordable uh like for all so i mean if we just talk about renewable energy but it's very expensive and people cannot afford it then you know we're not talking about that we want this you know like this just transition to like you know to to happen uh and and energy for all that uh is clean renewable affordable and accessible and also to help those you know like communities that is like that are uh, like you know working or uh engage uh, on the fossil fuel industry before how do they transition because we don't want to leave anyone behind so this is i think like one of the message that we need to like you know to remind like everyone again and again especially the world leaders the governments as well as like you know like the business like you know like entities that they have the you know they have the resources they have the 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 like you know the the means to make this happen so we need that you know because we and we don't have time so we need to do it now and uh and 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 if we talk about climate justice movement we need to recognize that this climate emer emergency is uh, is intertwined with many other cruel system of oppression uh including like colonization and you mentioned exploitation and also racism and many others so we need to uh keep in mind that at this cop 28 in uh in Dubai that there will be no justice if we don't recognize the interdependent system that has increased the vulnerabilities uh among marginalized uh, uh, communities and frontline communities amen thank you nana very much for your witness for being there for all your work your inspiring journey for sharing it with us And yes, as she was saying, please do read her article on all creation called Enjoying Good and Forbidding Wrong. There she gives us a lot of all this beautiful and precious uh, knowledge from her Islamic tradition and um, much more that we can learn from Nana. Well, Nana, uh, blessings and best wishes for the next few more days that you have a cup. And again, thank you. Thank you for joining us and for everybody too that is here with us. Thank you for, for being on this conversation with us. Thank you, Nettie. Thank you, everyone.